On today's episode, we begin our journey through Grimm's fairy tales with a story titled The Frog King or Iron Heinrich. My name is Zach Stewart, and welcome to the very first episode of the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Shadow Bear Story Sessions, a podcast about the ridiculousness contained in old myths, legends, folktales, fairy tales, all of the stories that set the stage and laid the foundations for the movies, television shows, books, and media that we love today. My name is Zach Stewart. I am a writer. I've acted. I've worked in entertainment, both in front of the camera, behind the camera. I've worked in theater. Essentially, I am just fascinated with storytelling, and as such, I have read a lot of old folk tales, fairy tales, and myths, and one thing that always stands out is how insane and ridiculous and dark and hilarious these old stories are. So we all know Disney movies, we all know sort of the watered-down, polished, family-friendly versions of these folk tales, but if you go back and look at the original versions of these folktales, a lot of them get really dark, really grisly, really nonsensical, and hilarious and entertaining in a wonderful way. I want to be clear, I'm not making fun of these stories, I'm not trying to tear them down. I think they don't get enough credit for how ingenious and outside of the box and how creative they really are. I I think when you water these stories down, you kind of take away the the grisly human heart of the story. It kind of pushes aside that humanity and the heart that made these stories resonate with people and and compelled people to pass them down for generations and generations and made people care about them so much that they inspired a lot of the stories that we know and love today. When you polish that up and you water it down, it really does an injustice, and as a result, we get less interesting stories. And I am tired of those less interesting stories, and that is why we are here. We're going to dig into some old folk tales and fairy tales and some old legends, and we're going to enjoy just how ridiculous they are. We're going to dissect the insanity contained in these stories. We are going to think about how we would adapt these stories for a TV show or a movie today in a fun way. And we're going to ultimately look past the lessons that these stories think that they're teaching and find the lessons that they're actually teaching, usually in a pretty dark and chaotic and sometimes nonsensical way. And that's what we're doing here. Come along for the ride. I think it's going to be fun. I'm going to have some fun doing it. And I'd love to hear what you guys think or any suggestions or new segments that we could add as we go. We're starting out here. We're just going to experiment. We're going to see what's fun. We're going to see what works. Um, It's going to be a good, good time. So let's get right into it. So we're going to start with Grimm's Fairy Tales, which is a collection of folk tales compiled by Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm, the Brothers Grimm, in 1812 in what is now Germany. And it was a collection of essentially local folklore and folklore from the region And it's given us the foundations and the original stories for a lot of really famous stories today. Cinderella, Snow White, Little Red Riding Hood, Rapunzel, Hansel and Gretel, Rumpelstiltskin, a lot of classics that have been adapted a million times. So I think this is a good place to start. It's also one of the 
most popular collections of folktales. So we all know the hits and the classics, but a lot of people don't know the shorter stories and the less popular stories, which get pretty insane. Even the ones that we know, the original versions of them, get pretty dark and get pretty insane. So we're just going to go through Grimm's Fairy Tales one by one. We're not going to leave any out. I want to get into this. I want to really dive in and get into the nitty-gritty dark insanity that is folklore and mythology. So let's begin with the first story of the collection, titled The Frog King or Iron Heinrich. Let's begin. Once upon a time, there was a princess who went out into the forest and sat down at the edge of a cool well. She had a golden ball that was her favorite plaything. She threw it up high and caught it in the air and was delighted by all this. One time, the ball flew up very high, and as she stretched out her hand and bent her fingers to catch it again, the ball hit the ground near her and rolled and rolled until it fell right into the water. The princess was horrified, and when she went to look for the ball, she found the well was so deep that she couldn't see the bottom. So she began to weep miserably and to lament, Oh, if only I had my ball again, I'd give anything, my clothes, my jewels, my pearls, and anything else in the world to get my ball back. As she sat there grieving, a frog stuck its head out of the water and said, Why are you weeping so miserably? Oh, she said, you nasty frog, you can't help me. My golden ball has fallen into the water. Okay, just a side note, a little presumptuous and rude to just come right out and say, you nasty frog, especially when it's obvious that the frog can help her and is one of the few animals or living things that could solve such a situation as this. We continue. Well, I don't want your pearls, your jewels, and your clothes, the frog responded, but if you will accept me as your companion and let me sit next to you and let me eat from your little golden plate and sleep in your little bed and promise to love and cherish me, I'll fetch your ball for you. Okay, that is a steep price to pay for a ball. Essentially, he's demanding to live with her forever and eat her food and sleep in her bed and be loved and cherished by her indefinitely for the rest of his life. Granted, he's a frog, so maybe he won't live that long. But really, pretty steep price. Pretty unreasonable. We continue. The princess thought, what nonsense the simple-minded frog is blabbering. He's got to remain in the water, but perhaps he can get me my ball. So I'll say yes to him. And she said, yes, fair enough, but first fetch me the golden ball. I promise you everything. The frog dipped his head beneath the water and dived down. It didn't take long before he came back to the surface with the ball in his mouth. He threw it onto the ground, and when the princess caught sight of the ball again, she quickly ran over to it, picked it up, and was so delighted to have the ball in her hands again that she thought of nothing else but to rush back home with it. The frog called after her, Wait, princess, take me with you the way you promised. So she just bailed immediately. Not even a sorry... Not even a haha, I tricked you, which would be in line with her character because she's pretty rude. But now, Princess just got what she wanted and bailed. And also has not even noted that this is a talking frog. Maybe that's interesting and something 
the people in the castle would like to see. Anyway, moving on. The next day, the princess sat at the table and heard something coming up the marble steps. Splish, splash, splish, splash. Soon thereafter, it knocked at the door and cried out, Princess, youngest daughter, open up. So the frog knows the makeup of this family. He's calling her the youngest daughter. He also mentioned golden plate, so he knows something about that. Maybe he was somehow turned from a servant of theirs into this frog, because he clearly knows this family quite intimately. She ran to the door and opened it, and there was the frog whom she had forgotten. She just forgot a talking frog. You don't forget a talking frog who helped you out that quickly. Horrified, she quickly slammed the door shut and sat down back at the table, but the king saw that her heart was thumping and said, Why are you afraid? There's a nasty frog outside, she replied. He retrieved my golden ball from the water, and I promised him that he could be my companion, but I never believed at all he could get out of the water. Now he's standing outside in front of the door and wants to come inside. As she said this, there was a knock at the door and the frog cried out, Princess, youngest daughter, open up. Don't you remember what you said down by the well's cool water? Princess, youngest daughter, open up. Frog is being really specific about which daughter he is referring to, just to make sure everyone inside knows who he is calling out. Continuing, the king said, You must keep your promise no matter what you said. Go and open the door for the frog. She obeyed, and the frog hopped inside and followed her at her heels until they came to her chair. And when she sat down again, he cried out, Lift me up to the chair beside you. The princess didn't want to do this, but the king ordered her to do it. When the frog was up at the table, he said, Now push your little golden plate nearer to me so we can eat together. So I guess he was right about the plate. Being gold. Inside, knowledge. The princess had to do this as well, and after he had eaten until he was full, he said, Now I'm tired and want to sleep. Bring me upstairs to your little room. Get your little bed ready so that we can lie down in it. Why is he calling everything little? It's a bit condescending, especially because he's a frog. Relatively speaking, everything that this girl has is huge. The princess became terrified when she heard this, for she was afraid of the cold frog. She didn't dare to touch him, and now he was to lie in her bed next to her. She began to weep and didn't want to comply with his wishes at all. But the king became angry and ordered her to do what she had promised, or she'd be held in disgrace. This king is a man of his word. Pretty honorable king. Possibly to a fault. Continuing. Nothing helped. She had to do what her father wanted, but she was bitterly angry in her heart. So she picked up the frog with two fingers, carried him upstairs into her room, lay down in her bed, and instead of setting him down next to her, she threw him crash against the wall. Now you'll leave me in peace, you nasty frog, she says. So she straight up tries to murder this frog. But the frog didn't fall down dead. Instead, when he fell down on the bed, he became a handsome young prince. Well, now indeed he did become her dear companion, and she cherished him as she had promised, and in their delight, they fell asleep together. Hmm. So she's totally cool with just this random young man, or boy, sleeping in her bed with her. 
I'd still be a bit freaked out about that, but she rolls with it and is overjoyed, apparently. Continuing, The next morning, a splendid coach arrived, drawn by eight horses with feathers and glistening gold harnesses. The prince's faithful Heinrich accompanied them. He had been so distressed when he had learned his master had been turned into a frog that he had ordered three iron bands to be wrapped around his heart to keep it from bursting from grief. So faithful Heinrich is very dramatic, as far as friends go. When the prince got into the coach with the princess, his faithful servant took his place at the back so they could return to the prince's realm. And after they had traveled some distance, the prince heard a loud cracking noise behind him, so he turned around and cried out, Heinrich, the coach is breaking. No, my lord, it's really nothing but the band around my heart, which nearly came apart when you turned into a frog and your fortune fell, and you were made to live in that dreadful well. So Heinrich has some lyrical whimsy about him, clearly. He's speaking in rhymes. No one else is speaking in rhymes. No one else even has a name so far. Just faithful Heinrich. The great buddy. Two more times the prince heard the cracking noise and thought the coach was breaking, but the noise was only the sound of the bands springing from faithful Heinrich's heart because his master had been released from the spell and was happy. The End Well, there you go, the first story of Grimm's fairy tales, The Frog King or Iron Heinrich. Meet me after the break for a section of the podcast called The Autopsy, where we will break down this story in greater detail. Welcome to The Autopsy. So let's break this down. First story, right out of the gate, we are getting a talking frog and a princess. Classic folklore fairy tale shit. I'm here for it. We got the princess who's got a golden ball. She loves tossing it up in the air by a well, which really seems like playing with fire. And of course, inevitably, the ball falls in the well, and she immediately starts to cry out for help, saying she'd give literally anything to get the ball back. Just so happens, a talking frog happens to be there and says, hey, I'll get your ball back if you make me your companion for life and love and cherish me forever and let me eat your food and sleep in your bed and essentially become my servant for all of time. Which again, he's a frog, probably gonna die pretty soon, and she's only planning on murdering him anyway if it gets bad. So she says, fine, fetch me the ball, I promise you everything, even though that is a very outsized reward for such a simple and easy task for the frog. Frog goes down, gets the ball, she bolts. Immediately, without question. A day later, so I guess we are to assume that this frog has been hopping along for a full day and finally reaches the castle door, cries out for help. She doesn't want to do anything about it, just keep him outside. Which, to be honest, is fair. He's asking for way too much for a ball even though she shouldn't be making these promises, but still, not worth it. Anyway, the king, a very honor-bound man, apparently, says, nope, you gotta honor your word, let him in, do whatever you said you would do. Which, yes, it's good to instill respect and keeping your word as a lesson, but if you're a king, do you really want a frog hopping around the rugs, mucking up the curtains and the carpets and the 
bedding and everything. You got to handle that stuff. Do you really want this talking frog, who's very manipulative, if you ask me, to be hanging around all the time and to essentially be your daughter's little buddy who's just demanding food off her plate and try to sleep in her bed all the time? Creepy. Which, yes, that's exactly what he does. Eats off her plate and then immediately demands to go to bed. So not only is he her companion, she literally just has to do whatever he says forever now, I guess. Again, really terrible deal. She should have at least negotiated down the deal before just agreeing to it. You know, there's a middle ground between not helping and I'll give you literally everything and my eternal devotion until the end of time. And then, so disgusted by the idea of the frog being in bed with her, she murders him. She throws the frog against the wall like a psychopath, literally just trying to splatter this frog across the wall. But oh, what luck. He turns into a prince. You know, in most stories, it's true love's kiss or some type of inner journey or revelation or growth that results in the frog turning back into a prince. But this one, it's attempted murder that forces this transformation. And there's also been no journey or arc by either of these characters. The princess has just been annoyed and rude the entire time. She immediately called the frog awful. What was the word? Nasty. She called him nasty immediately. And at no point did she even seem to come to a revelation that, oh, maybe I should be more respectful and honor my word. No, she attempts to kill the guy, and it happens to work out, and he's a prince. A handsome young prince. And then they're best friends and get along great, and then they sleep in the same bed together. And now all is fine. So they're both kind of rewarded for both being terrible. The frog is manipulative and overzealous and kind of pushy about shit the whole time. The princess is rude and selfish and duplicitous and goes back on her word. And it works out brilliantly for both of them, apparently, neither of them having learned anything. It's at this point that the story takes a hard turn into faithful Heinrich time. And then the rest of the story is just about the prince's manservant, who was so overwhelmingly saddened by losing the prince that he had someone make iron bands to put around his heart so that it wouldn't burst from grief. Gotta say, really devoted servant you got there, but that's a little much. That's a little much Heinrich. Calm down. It's gonna be alright. Also, how did Heinrich know that the prince had turned back? Was someone sent to get Heinrich? Did Heinrich just have some type of sixth sense that he knew that the spell had been broken? We also have no answers on how the spell was cast, or what happened there, and how things started. And then the bands begin breaking as they're going back. Prince is understandably concerned, asks what's going on, and Heinrich says, Don't worry, it's nothing, just my sadness bands breaking. But they're all together now, and everything just works out, even though there's not really any arc or lessons learned. Maybe it's one of those it's-all-a-dream endings, 
and the frog actually died when it hit the wall, and the rest is just a dream. It's just a nice dream. But what's the lesson here? The lesson clearly seemed to be setting up towards keep your promises, honor your word, all of that stuff. But then the princess doesn't do any of those things and actually attempts to murder the person who's trying to keep her to her promise. And the frog is being extremely manipulative and shouldn't be being this pushy and is kind of a dick about all of this. You just got a ball. You shouldn't be entitled to all of this. But it was a promise. Anyway, that's what it's being set up as. But then it just takes a complete turn. It doesn't honor that setup and just takes a complete turn into, hey, look at this wonderful bromance between Heinrich and the prince. It is also odd that Heinrich is the only character with a name. It's just the manservant that shows up at the end is like, hey, I really missed you, bro. I got really sad. I had these sadness bands made. And then they just crick cracked on the way home. Maybe Heinrich was just covering up for the fact that they haven't really been using the coach, or they've been joyriding the coach, so it's kind of falling apart and they haven't been keeping it up, and things are sort of breaking down with it, and his excuse is, oh no, I'm just so sad that my sadness bands are breaking, don't worry about the troubling sounds you're hearing. In which case, fast thinking, Heinrich. But assuming that these are actually iron bands around his heart. We're just going to ignore all of the biological and physiological limitations implied with that. Assuming that all of that is true, I think the real lesson is that joy is stronger than sadness, because sadness could not break those iron bands. But faithful Heinrich's love for the prince and joy at being reunited with him could break those bands. And so that, I think, is the unintended real lesson of the Frog King or Iron Heinrich. Meet me after the break, and we will get into the adaptation, where we adapt this to a movie, TV show, something. Let's figure it out. Meet me after the break. Let's do it. All right, let's adapt this thing. So there's not really a satisfying arc to this, so I think you could consider it a little open-ended. So let's make this a series. Let's cast it. First, the princess is going to be that actress who plays Sabrina in the new Netflix, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. What's her name? Kiernan Shipka. That is who is the princess for the frog. Starts out as a frog, but then after attempted murder becomes a prince. That's going to be Roger Jean Page from Bridgerton. He's super cool right now. Let's do him for the prince. So the first episode is just going to be the princess and the king and the castle. The king, let's do Ian McShane. Classic king, great king. Them, just sort of setting the stage. The princess has her little ball, loses it in the well. I think the end of the first episode will be the frog returning and banging on the door. Then the second episode will be up until Giernan Shipka attempts to murder the frog, after which she transforms. Then the third episode will be them coming back. Faithful Heinrich enters the picture, and Faithful Heinrich will be Pete Davidson from SNL, Saturday Night Live. Pete Davidson would be great as the bro of the prince. And then from there, it kind of becomes Pete Davidson and Regé Jean Page just wanting to hang out and go on adventures together because they are the best of friends, while Regé Jean Page tries to navigate the relationship with 
Kieran and Shipka, because they're both kind of manipulative and kind of rude and kind of mean. And really, Pete Davidson is just trying to hang out and have a good time and go on some cool adventures in the village. And Ian McShane will be sort of the moral center of the show who tries to guide everyone down the right path and down the honorable path. And we watch as the prince tries to find Pete Davidson some love in town. I just want to watch the prince and Pete Davidson have some cool adventures. That's basically what I want to see out of this show. So let's do it. Netflix, hit me up. Eight episodes, easy, cool adventures. We have the relationship and the emotional component with the princess and the prince. We have the sage, wise Ian McShane guiding all of this. Let's do it. That is how we will adapt it. It's a hit. That will do it for the first episode of the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. We did it. Episode one, come back next week for a story titled The Companionship of the Cat and Mouse, who do not seem like they would be good companions at all. So let's find out what goes wrong there. So thank you so much for listening to this first episode. I'm Zach Stewart, and I'll see you next week on the Shadow Bear Story Sessions.